Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Cape podcast. Today, we continue with our series of interviews, and we have a lovely guest on today called Joe Walton, who has done some magical adventures around the world, from diving with sharks to, um, yeah, experiencing wild nature across Central America. And she's here today to share some of her stories with us and her connection to nature. So, Joanne, would you like to introduce yourself um, and tell us who you are? Hello. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, Kate. And yeah, I just want to say thanks for having me on. It's such a privilege because I'd be so inspired by your work and what you do. So looking forward to having this chat with you on your podcast. <laughs> um, yeah so I come from Blaney a little village in Cork and I yeah I just love all the outdoors all nature and like I work online at the moment and my main aim is to like travel as much as I can and to just explore wonderful and would you say that you get out into nature daily? Like, is it an important part of your life? Yeah, huge. Like, I feel when, whenever, if I got, like, stagnant or that kind of stuck energy, I would go towards, like, the water or just be in a forest, just immerse myself into nature. Just changing the state of being, like, is so important to me. Um, I think even daily, like, going into the grass, like, initially in the mornings barefoot can be so beneficial um yeah definitely love the ocean and love my adventures fab and would you say like being in nature is something you've grown up with or was it something you discovered later on in life Mm -hmm. yeah so I have family in um on a little island called Sherkin Island (laughs) <laughs> we actually adventured there was it two weeks ago now um yeah so growing up on Sherkin like I think was a huge like opening for me with the ocean um my uncle still kind of laughs about it there was like this really big book and he says like I was so small at the time reading this huge book it was like an encyclopedia of fish so it was like a big book of like fish, dolphins, whales and sharks. And I remember just like, like vividly, I remember sitting down looking at this book and just being so intrigued by like all the different kinds of fish there is and all the different details. And um, yeah, just looking out at the ocean on Shirkin and just being so like fascinated and in awe of the unknown. I suppose that curiosity of, like the undiscovered you know um yeah so that kind of brought my love for the ocean and then I loved dolphins so um I wanted to work with dolphins like from such young age I was like visualizing myself being in the water and like swimming with dolphins and studying them and like researching and taking data so I suppose you call that kind of a marine biologist um I love sharks like watching shark documentaries I'd watch them for like hours at a time 
just just looking at I just found them so beautiful and so powerful mm. yeah amazing and then mm. you took off in what year was it you took off on an adventure can you tell us about what inspired you to do that and was it your first time solo traveling and um maybe some of the nature you got to witness yeah yeah so that led me to traveling to mexico which was uh, my first big solo trip and yeah i was definitely inspired by you two having kind of been there um and chatted to you asked you a bit about it and then i took the leap to go so i landed on an island called isla mujeres and I just loved there. I stayed there. That was kind of my base for like six months. Um, you could see like this blue, blue water from one side of the island to the other. And it was just this small kind of inclusive, like really tropical island. The diving there was amazing. Um, so I learned to scuba dive in Ireland before I went on this trip. So I had my qualification, um, my certification in Mexico. So I did lots of diving um, there was like wild turtles on the beach every day. And um, we dove with whale sharks on that island as well, which was incredible. Just these huge like bust like animals swimming towards you. Um, yeah, it was just such a magic experience. Wow. Um, yeah so that was Mexico and then we traveled into I went to Guatemala um and then Colombia so um yeah it was I suppose going on that trip was a lot of like from a personal development sense and of course to see all the nature and explore um but yeah going going somewhere solo was was big for me to to do just to develop myself and to see different perspectives and to to know myself more mm. <clears throat> and did you have challenging aspects being alone like did you feel homesick and like how did you manage with your mind yeah definitely moments like I'm a twin, so I think I was really connected with my twin like before I left. Um, but there was moments that I would get homesick, but also I never really felt alone. Like solo traveling, you're always going to meet people, especially if you're staying in hostels. You know, there's always opportunities to to be around people, to go like to to events that are on or to have food with people. So I never like there was definitely moments where I felt alone but I think for the most part you always have have an opportunity to like meet and connect with people as well and yeah being a solo traveler like a lot of people come up to you a lot more Do you know I think you're a lot more um open to to meeting new people so I love that aspect of it too um whenever I did feel alone like like what I would do here I'd I'd go to the ocean or I'd be like I'd go towards nature because then I'm connecting back in you know with myself or with something bigger I suppose 
Mm. And you also practice yoga. Does that help you? Yeah, big time. Big time. I suppose yoga gives like that that moment of stillness within yourself and like knowing yourself more. So whenever like we're out of balance or like in those kind of lonely moments, it's to know that we can come back to ourselves, ourselves again, you know, and knowing that there is so much peace in, let's say, meditation and yoga and all these tools that we can use to, to nurture ourselves in those moments. Mm. Yeah. Because um, everything is within us and we seek mm. outwards, but that yeah. space of peace is actually in us. And yeah. so, as you know, I'm reading the Michael Singer. Everybody knows it now. Everybody knows I'm reading the book. <laughs> and I, can't stop, I can't stop going on about <laughs> it. But part of his, one of the chapters this morning was, you know, get comfortable with disturbance and mm. because the mind will always find something to be unhappy about and once you decide to be happy and you make that your priority all the rest will just fall away because you realize that yeah. you're actually watching the drama you're watching the drama and the disturbance and the discomfort but you essentially are yeah. behind that behind that screen and you are actually able to access joy and bliss and all of that yeah totally and it's it's a lens like that we can choose you know like especially traveling kind of heightens things more so so like if you're experiencing happiness it can be like heightened or loneliness it can be heightened so yeah to know that it, it is a choice in those moments you know and once you shift that like someone could come by and you get talking and you really notice like the yeah those spaces and why do you think that the emotions are heightened when you're away? Um, <clears throat> I think there's such a big emphasis on like, especially solo trips is like, you're really one wanting to develop yourself, you know? So, so like, I think the universe is almost like putting you in positions to like challenge you for you to grow. Um, yeah and you are on your own so it is kind of down to you to um kind of like sort yourself out I suppose in a way you know to to pull on those tools that you have or that little bit of confidence or you know different you're kind of like abstained to different um parts of yourself that you wouldn't be if you were like comfortable Mm. yeah and then you don't have your root you know your root chakra like you don't have that root of home of family of you know um support like yeah. that's kind of not under you so it makes you more floaty or something you know and there's like language barriers and yeah there's a lot of different elements but that's what makes it more kind of exciting then I suppose and it's what the challenge is about you know mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And did you have any um like experiences with nature in Colombia? Any animals or anything like that? Yeah, I think the big thing in Colombia was I stayed at an ashram. So I met a guy um at this this lake called Guatape and he invited me to come with him to an ashram in it was like in the middle of nowhere in this jungle. There was no shops, no nothing, just like this yoga meditation ashram. Um, and then there was all kind of local houses. So we actually stayed in a local house and we went in for like two, there was two, two hour yoga sessions a day. So it was just like loads of yoga, loads of like basking in the rivers nearby and just being surrounded by nature, surrounded by the jungle. Um, yeah, that was such a healing experience for me. And yeah, just really, really amazing to be in a completely new place, you know, and just having met this friend that I really connected with. Um, and yeah. Lovely. And did you find that you felt a lot of peace there or did you also have challenge with your thoughts or... Um, I definitely had a lot of peace there. I think at times there was there was challenges because you're sitting in meditation for like a half an hour, an hour at a time. You know, things are arising, and I I suppose I was questioning then, was I in the right place? Like, should I kind of move on? Should I stay a bit longer? And I remember I really got to, after about a week of being there, I got to like such a peaceful state um, compared to what I went there in. Traveling can often be like really fast paced. And yeah, I just got to a place of kind of acceptance, you know, to just really enjoy where where I was then and to to just look around me. And it was such a beautiful place that, yeah, any challenges that came up after that, I'd say I was just, just zenned out of it <laughs> after being in the ash. And how long was the stay? I was there for three weeks. Mm. Yeah, it was cool because it was like all free, free of charge. Like you'd go for the yoga two hour sessions twice a day, so four hours yoga. And then you can go anytime to meditate and yeah, any anyone you met around there was just like really conscious conversations, you know. And so how do they make a living then if it's all free? So people actually go there on retreat. So we actually stayed in a local's house. So we were paying like the price of night, which was really cheap, I would say. I don't know, six, seven euro a night to stay there. <laughs> um, so how the ashram were making their money was, it was kind of retreats that were, to stay in the ashram it would have probably been for a week maybe. I don't know the price, but a lot more expensive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you also spent, how much time were you in Guatemala and did you have, 
any wild experiences there? Guatemala, we were on a, a, a lake called Lake Atitlan. And yeah, it was incredible. Like this lake is surrounded by volcanoes. Um, it was a real spiritual community in Guatemala. Like a lot of ceremonies, different meetings happening and people just really wanting to like accelerate their spiritual growth and heighten their awareness. So that was incredible. I stayed there maybe a month and then me and a friend went to Guatemala City and we did like this volcano hike, which was, and it was out of this world. Like it was hiking for, um, I think it was about 14 hours by the time we did the first peak and then over to the actual volcano. And yeah, that was like the toughest hike I've ever done, but I would say the most rewarding. Just like standing below, watching the, the lava erupt and literally feeling it. I thought it was rain when it was first dropping. I was like, why is that? And then someone told me it was the it was the lava hardened, like just dropping. But um, yeah, it was absolute magic to see that. Um, and then... Yeah, I flew home then. I think it was God close to a year of traveling. Wow! So, was that the Acatenango volcano? Acatenango, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was near Antigua. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we got a bus from Antigua. Yeah. Um. So how much how many months did you spend in each country or um I think it was six going on seven months in Mexico. Um I was in Guatemala for two months and Colombia was just maybe a month over a month, close to two months. Wow. And would you be able for something like that again, or do you feel like that year span is too much yeah I'd totally do it all over again like new places but I would do the time span all over again definitely I think it flew like being away from home you know you're you're like you've such new stuff to do all the time so like your days kind of go a lot quicker I think you're not focused on time so yeah I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. <laughs> and did you get to see turtles in Mexico? Yeah. Um, there was actually a hurricane. So when I was living on the island in Mexico, there was a hurricane. I was only watching videos today. And my GoPro of this tiny little um, turtle washed up and he was being saved by... Um, they kept him overnight in like this con container I think it was like a little leatherback turtle and yeah they they released him when the water was calmer it was so cute um but yeah they they'd come up and nest at night and all the volunteers used to be down there and I used I used to just walk down there at night like just kind of watching and helping out and then they'd release the tiny little ones like hundreds at a time back into the water it was amazing to see. Mm. 
And then you came back and you planned more adventures. Was it long before you made a move again? Um, I would say probably in the first month of being home, I was planning again. Yeah, so I planned South Africa and went there in March. Um, yeah, where I spent, I think I was there for a month. Yeah. And what kind of experiences did you have there? What kind of wild things did you see? <laughs> wild is definitely a good a good name for it. Um, yeah, Cape Town. So my intention going to, it was Cape Town where we flew to, so my intention with going there was to see the Great Whites. Um, yeah, so I was saying like that I used to watch shark documentaries for like hours and hours and I was just like so driven to to know what I would actually be like in the water when I seen them like face to face. Um, and I knew they were off the coast of South Africa so that was one of the hot spots for them. So I was just hugely um wanting to see them there um and yeah cape town is such a diverse like there's hikes mountains everywhere um like everywhere you look you can see like a different kind of landscape there's beaches with like wild penguins um such incredible like ocean is wild there like the seals and the sharks um so so yeah we went and did the first shark diving in a bay called hans bay and um it turned out there was no great whites like when we got there there was no great white sightings for actually a couple of years in that area so I kind of, I suppose I had a sense of disappointment in a way, but I knew I wasn't going to give up there. So I went back to the drawing board and um, we did see copper sharks that day. But yeah, so so I seen this um, photographer on Instagram. I found him and I wrote him because I knew he had like tags from South Africa and pictures of great whites. So I wrote to him and I was like, oh, is there any advice? Um, can you let me know like where would be the best place to go? And he told me a place called Mossel Bay. So I was looking up and it was like an eight hour bus journey from where I was in Cape Town. So, um, so yeah, I made the decision to to go go for that and go for do the journey and yeah proved to be probably the one of the most challenging like solo um bus journeys I suppose or like trips within a country that I've done I think um a lot like presented itself before I got to Mossel Bay and knowing like I think the first the first bus was cancelled so then it was like waiting in a bus station in the middle of Cape Town for the next one like six hours later and then I was thinking like should I is it a bit dangerous or but yeah I just 
I knew I had a strong drive like to to go. So then <clears throat> got on the bus and it stopped a few times on the way. The police came on, like taking people off, and it was a crazy experience. Like I had my bag on my lap the whole way there, and yeah, I just knew that when I got there, I had I just had such a strong belief that I was going to see them, that I was going to see the the great whites. So eventually got there at like one am and i had to be up for four for the first dive in the morning um and yeah jumped out of the bed at four and went down and i think it was about 40 minutes of being in the water before the first great white came um and yeah it was one of the most thrilling experiences ever and i think I would I would just want it for everyone to experience it. And did yeah. it like come right up by you or like how do they appear when they come to you? Like are they calm or what are they like? Yeah, very, very slow. Like um so they can actually see you before we ever see see them, they could see us, you know. So they were probably approaching, going away, and then eventually they'd come closer. So they'd take their time. Um, very slow initially, like just passing by the cage, their big black eye just like staring at you. Um, and that was, yeah, I think I was always so curious how I would act, <coughs> like actually in the water with them. Um, but yeah, people say, were you not scared? And I was like, like I'd say there was definitely an element of fear, but I was just so excited. Like I was honestly buzzing to just get me in the water with them and <laughs> to see them up close. Um, yeah, there was a few times they came like up fast, like bumped off the cage, but I wouldn't say I felt like aggressive. <laughs> I wouldn't say I felt like an aggression from them. Um, yeah. And were you in the cage alone? And why do they, like, does the boat actually feed them as well? Yeah. So they were chumming the water, which is probably something I don't agree with either, but um, needs to kind of be done in those areas because it's such a vast space I think that they kind of need to attract them in um so yeah there was there was I'm saying six in the cage at a time um kind of spaced enough out there probably was about 20 of us on the boat no there was I'd say two lots of six um and some people didn't go in how do you breathe you you have a mask so you're just kind of coming up and down for air. Uh, yeah, so... No snorkeling. No snorkeling, no. No, you're kind of popping up and down, holding your breath underwater for as long as you can. Would they not um, use a snorkel? Like, no. I don't know why they don't. I suppose it's just another kind of 
contraption maybe or something maybe they just think it's better to to come up and down because you're kind of holding the the um bar the metal so is maybe there a you're roof on the cage there's there's a roof yeah the roof's kind of closed but like you get in and then they close it over you <laughs> yeah you're about to die <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think um in guadalupe they use they use like the the scuba gear they have like these long hoses and i don't think well they would need to chum the water in Gua guadalupe anyway because um there's so many sharks there um so how many sharks did you see and how big are they so the ones in South Africa were juveniles. Um, they were about four meters. The biggest was about four meters. Um, and I think by the end of it, I seen about six. I think there was three on the first trip and four on the second trip. So I actually went back. I was just buzzing now. Like, <laughs> and I went back to the office and I was like, I'm going to come again in the morning and and they were like okay and and um, I came back down in the morning and the woman in the office they knew I loved sharks like I was chatting to all the guys and like just saying different facts and stuff <laughs> and um um she she called me in and she was like oh with the owners actually letting you go for your charge which was like 150 dollars or something um so yeah I got to go the second trip free like which was another just kind of rewarded of actually like taking the, the trip to go um so yeah seeing another four in the second morning and how long were you in the cage um maybe about 40 minutes at a time and you got to go in oh you you got to go in twice if you wanted to, some people kind of in one location, is it? One location, yeah. And yeah. it's funny because I was the same when I saw the hammerhead sharks. I was like, I want to go back. I want to go back. And I went back to the office as well. And I was like, um, can I come back tomorrow? But I had to pay. <laughs> I had to pay. <laughs> uh, but I saw, I think it was about seven hammerheads above my head, but we, I had no protective gear and then loads of um, Galapagos sharks and black reef tip sharks and nurse sharks. And yeah, amazing, like, um, amazing. Um, oh, the hammerheads, yes. Like, their head was what fascinated me. I was like, oh my God, I just want to see their head. <laughs> yeah. You How did nature make a head like this? Yeah. How big wide? Oh god, I don't know. Is it like a meter wide head? Yes. It's funny because their eyeballs are like there and you're like, what? It's like something out of space. Yeah. How do they yeah. see in front of them? I don't think they really I think they like a horse, they see the sides, you know. Peripheral. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. and you also got to visit a safari, wasn't it? Yeah. What did you experience there or what kind of animals did you see? Yeah, so 
the safari is um, most the attraction is to see what's called the big five. So it's lions, leopards, rhinos, elephants and buffalo. Um, yeah, and we've seen everything but the lions. So, uh, yeah, this in in South Africa, like you would have to go up towards Kruger Park to see like the actual huge reserves of like the the animal um migration. You know the things we see on the nature documentaries of like them all the animals migrating together. So down towards Cape Town, they call them safaris, but they're actually reserves. So the thing that we didn't really know was there is a fence like somewhere, you know, so they're they're allowed to roam wherever wherever they want. But like finally, like miles and miles, there is a fence somewhere, which I kind of didn't really like. But I suppose they're still advocating like people to see the the animals and learn more and to raise awareness um and they are kept wild you know so so yeah that was amazing that you'd get like we were in this jeep and you can get so close to to let's say the the rhinos like with their big huge horns like they're a meter two meters away at one stage the the big rhino kind of stood in front of the jeep like as if she was going to charge but behind her was her little baby so the guy the the guide was saying like that the moms are obviously really protective of the the, the baby rhino so um yeah it was just a real up close experience you know and i love the giraffes i love giraffes i brought like um this wooden giraffe I think I showed you the last time home with me to the airport. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was like these um, big kind of um, open pieces of water with the hippos. The hippos, I think, do they kill more people than like any other animal? They're the most aggressive animals, hippos. Mm. But because they were, they looked so peaceful. Mm. Um, yeah. Lovely. I know. <laughs> Amazing. And having come back then in April, was it? Um, have you more adventures lined yeah. up now? Um, yeah, I suppose my next trip is India. I'm planning to go to India around October to do my yoga teacher training. So I can't wait for that. And do you know which part of India? Yeah, I'm veering towards Goa. Um, I was looking at Kerala, which is more kind of... um lush kind of a greener area but Goa's on the beach and I just think it would be um essential for me to be near like the ocean and the beach especially in such a integrative month mm. 
and yeah. will you spend like a few weeks there or many months or will you book a return ticket <laughs> that's a good question <laughs> um I don't know yet I'd say like initially I'll book a one way um and I'll see because I'll I'll do the month first so it's like a 28 day program and I'll do the month and then I might travel around for like a month might explore India a little bit I definitely will a small bit but depending how long but I will be coming home for a bit after that before you do another adventure (laughs) (laughs) um you might write a book on your adventures (laughs) Like you. <laughs> <laughs> Adventures with Joe. <laughs> yeah. um, lovely. I love and part of my podcast as well, I like to ask people how maybe they like to contribute to helping the planet or maybe if they have a tip, is there anything that you could share that might be helpful to people? Yeah. Um, I suppose for me, it's like choosing a more conscious path um in my daily life like asking myself the questions like is this going to benefit me and my body in regards to like the food that I'm putting into my body or is this going to benefit the planet so just kind of conscious from regards eating and my lifestyle and living is to ask more questions Mm. yeah it's great it's great um because we shouldn't just follow along you know we should be asking no definitely yeah and what would be your favorite wild food to eat or fruit or veggie or something oh wild fruit or veggie um I would say wild, definitely berries. My personal favourite veggie, I love broccoli. I would eat broccoli for breakfast, lunch and dinner if I could. (laughs) 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 Yeah. What about you? Um, I love eating the blackberries now at the moment. I think they're amazing. And if you remember our adventure up the beautiful Nair Valley, <laughs> we had lovely wild bilberries and they were gorgeous. Um, Yum, they were sweet. And I'm actually looking now, I'm reading a tree forager book and there's some information. I'm going to really get into it now when I have more time um, not mm-hmm. growing, like as in, they were even saying about the young beech leaves that you can put them in salads and you can make a beech kind of remedy. And But they have to be the young leaves because they're really kind of silky yeah. almost. And then there was another oh. one, like we have a massive bay leaf tree and it was saying that you can make bay leaf oil and it's like an ointment yeah. and it can heal like aches and pains and cuts. So there's loads of remedies from you know the wild that we can use and this book is just amazing you know amazing I'm laughing because when we were on shirking it was like I was walking with like my own personal little herbalist scientist Kate was like picking all the different berries and like knowing all the names of the different leaves and plants and trees <laughs> I don't know is that true like I can't even remember what did we find 
remember those like um RNG kind of yeah things. I was like, God, can we actually eat this? Kate Nist- was like, Yeah, delicious. <laughs> nasturtium, nasturtium. <laughs> Oh, that was I it. actually started growing them myself now. I've seen a flower come up this morning because they're so delicious in salads and they're really bright orange. They're really peppery. Uh, they're did a really we, nice colour. Did we eat anything else out there? Um, I'd say there was a few a few leaves. <laughs> um, we definitely did. I'm just trying to remember now. Oh, flowers. Rose, yeah, we ate some rose, didn't we? So. We should have put that in our cacao, actually. Oh yeah, amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, Shirkin is definitely a beautiful adventure spot, isn't it? Yeah, incredible. It's like a world away from the world. Mm. Yeah. yeah super cool we'll have to get back there for more adventures Mm -hmm. part two (laughs) yeah (laughs) come and see yeah (laughs) um yeah so is there anything else you'd like to share today joanne um i just want to say thanks and for you being the inspiring person that you are inspiring so many and like all the stories you put up is just so grateful to have someone like you that we can watch and yeah listen to you're so unique and to keep going (laughs) thank you so much thank you so much that's so beautiful um so folks um last bit from me um if you like this episode please give it a share and let us know any feedback if you plan to go diving with sharks or yeah go exploring the world um also for anybody listening um before feast festival ends i have a workshop on saturday on inch beach there's a wellness day at half four if you want to learn about food growing food and beekeeping and wild adventures i'll be there um, or if you're looking for some honey, um, I have a few different types of honey. Um, anyone else want to get in touch about the Bee Wild Journeys, please get in touch. Um, we've had some amazing sessions this week and just such delightful moments. Um, I had a group of German kids yesterday come and they saw some of the vegetables in the tunnel. And this was what they shouted out. Wassermelona, Wassermelona. <laughs> <laughs> because I have watermelons in the tunnel and they got the fright of their lives you know they were like no way is this a football um, oh, and they got to feed the hens actual proper purple grapes like the hens are the fanciest hens in Ireland eating grapes for breakfast um, <laughs> so very funny um, so if you've any kids out there who want to learn about this kind of stuff send them along and um, mm-hmm. So thanks for tuning in, folks. Give this episode a share. And patrons, thank you so much for supporting. If you do regularly listen to these podcasts, please uh, consider supporting on Patreon um, slash Catch Caught. And I'd really appreciate it. See you next time. Ciao. Bye.